This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled Return of the Ark, and it comes from 1 Samuel 6, 1 through 21. But before we start our lesson today, we're talking could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tile rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And remember that your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense of providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Also, if you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or go catch us on iTunes by going to the podcast section and searching for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Now, we've been studying through the book of Samuel, and I'm not going to go through all six chapters But I will recap uh, chapter 4 and 5 real quick because 4 and 5 really go hand in hand with what's going on here in chapter 6 and even into chapter 7. So what has happened is the Philistines are battling against the Israelites. Now the Israelites go out to battle and they lose badly. And this happens in chapter 4. They lose 4,000 men. They run back to their tents and there they have a powwow and they come up with the decision that we're going to take the Ark of the Covenant. If we bring God in and let God come to battle with us, we'll not not lose. So they send for the Ark of the Covenant, they bring it in and they use it like a, a lucky charm. And so they go back into battle the next time, and the second time they go to battle, they lose even worse. They lose 30,000 men. So they lost over 34,000 men in these two battles. Even worse, they lost the Ark of the Covenant to the Philistines. We also saw that Eli's sons were killed that same day, just like God had told Samuel that they would both die on the same day by the sword. And then Eli catches word of what happens and what happens there. He fell over backwards and because of his weight, he breaks his neck and he dies as well. Eli's daughter-in-law hears about all this and she has her son. She goes into premature labor. She has her son and she names him Ichabod, which means God has left us. And so that took us into chapter 5. In chapter 5, we saw that the Philistines are using, again, the Ark of the Covenant not like a good luck charm this time, but like a trophy. And they take it right there into their God, into their temple, and they set it before Dagon. Now, Dagon was their chief god. They they believed in multiple gods, but Dagon was one, one of their chief gods, and he was half man, half fish. From the waist up, he had the head of a man, an arm of a man, but from his waist down, he looked like a fish, almost like a mermaid to kind of give you an idea of what he looked like. Anyhow, they set 
the Ark of the Covenant before him or beside him and they leave. Next morning they come in and Dagon is fallen and he's laying face first in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And we talked about how that they picked him back up and they said, Dagon, you knew that was coming, right? Anyhow, Dagon is set back up and they leave. The next day they come back in and again, Dagon is face first in front of the ark, but this time his head is gone and his arms are gone and they're laying on the threshold. So when the priests come in, instead of saying, well, we need to worship this God, this is not a coincidence, two days in a row that Dagon has fallen over. No, they instead create a ritual, a religion. And how many times do we have our own religion rituals and we leave God out of it? It's all about going through some motion. And so they say no one that comes into the temple will step on the threshold. And then we saw the judgment that rained down on them because they wouldn't take the message that was sent clearly to them. God sent tumors and death. Now we talked a little bit about these tumors could have been hemorrhoids because that's what some commentators say it were. Others say that it was the bubonic plague because there were mice. We're going to see some more of that today. Whatever it was, there was death and tumors that were coming upon the people. And wherever they sent it, they sent it across the five cities that the Philistines lived in, right there on the Gaza Strip of today. Everywhere this ark went, these tumors and death followed them. And so we saw the judgment followed the ark. And so that brings us to where we are today. So if you would, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 6. We'll read the first couple of verses. I'll be reading out of the ESV. The ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priest and the diviners and said, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us with what we shall send it to its place. They said, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel... Do not send it empty, but by all means return him a guilt offering, and then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand does not turn away from you. And they said, What is a guilt offering that we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden tumors and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. So you must make images of the tumors and the images of the mice that ravage the land and give glory to God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from you and your gods and your land. And we'll stop right there for now. And as I said earlier, we see right here that the Philistines, they've captured the ark. They brought it back in their territory. They put it in the temple and God has sent tumors among the Philistines. Now, again, most commentators now believe this was the bubonic plague and it was carried by an infestation of rats. That's why they're saying you need a golden image of the tumor and you need a golden image of the mice or the rat. Also remember that this plague followed the ark, so it went across all five cities and that's why they came up with a number of five. How many tumors and how many rats? They need five. It's been seven months that this has been going on and it's been getting worse and worse to the point they finally had enough. And they call their priests and their diviners and those are folks that seek the occult. Those are folks that are not calling out to God, but they are calling out to the dead. And they ask them, what shall we do with this ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it back to its place. And we find the answer, like I said, in verse three through six. 
For me, I think you could sum all this up that they had a desire to rid themselves of this ark. They were tired of the tumors and the plague and the death that followed this ark. Even though it originally was a trophy for them, now they want to get rid of it. You know what? There are people today that want to get rid of God. They're afraid of God. They're afraid of his holiness, so they push him away. And that's what we see what's happening here is that they're afraid of this ark, this holiness of this ark, and they're pushing God away. Let me ask you the question. What does it mean to fear the Lord? The book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 9, 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But a lot of people get confused by that. They say, but I thought God loved us. Isn't he our father? And aren't I supposed to love him? How can I love a God that I'm afraid of? And you know what? That's really a good question. And we see that right here. These folks are afraid of God. They're pushing the ark away. And you know what? Just like what we read, sometimes we respond the same way these Philistines do. We don't understand God. We don't know God. So what do we do? We try to buy God. And that's what the diviners tell them to do. They say, pay a guilt offering. And again, back in those days, they're halfway right. The law of Moses talked about a guilt offering. And they tell them to give five golden tumors and five golden rats. There are people today that give to the church and they try to do good. They do all that because they want to appease God because they're afraid that the wrath of God is going to come down on them about their sin instead of just asking for forgiveness of their sins. But anyhow, we see that the Philistines, they mean well, but they get it wrong. God didn't want a statue for a guilt offering. He wanted a sacrifice. The Philistines attempt to pay honor to God through a golden image, but only a sacrifice would work as a guilt offering. According to the book of Leviticus, you were supposed to sacrifice a ram for this type of offering. And secondly, these images they made would not be pleasing to God. Tumors were a form of unclean skin. Again, that's part of Leviticus. And these rats were an unclean animal. Again, we see that in Leviticus. God would not want images of things that he declared unclean. And most of all, that would upset God is the second commandment, that we are not to make images and worship anything. But you may go, Tim, well, look, the Philistine priests, they didn't know any of this, and that is correct. They just wanted to get rid of the ark. So they made their plan according to their own wisdom, and they urged the Philistines not to harden their hearts like the Egyptians did. Let's go see that. They remind them not to repeat history. Look at verse 6 with me. Why should you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and the Pharaoh hardened their hearts? After he had dealt severely with them, did they not send the people away and they departed? Now then, take and prepare a new cart and two milk cows, of which there have never come a yoke, and a yoke the cows to the cart, but take their calves home, away from them, and take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart, and put in a box at his side the figures of the gold which you are returning to him as a guilt offering. And then send it off and let it go its way and watch. And if it goes up to the way of its own land then to Beth Shemeth, then it is he who has done us this great harm. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that has struck us. It happened to us by coincidence. We'll stop right there. 
So in verse 6, they say, don't harden your heart like the Egyptians, like Pharaoh did. Remember all the plagues that we've heard about? So we know that these guys knew the stories. Now, they didn't have all the knowledge of God. We already talked about that. But they had heard the stories about the plagues that came on Pharaoh. They had heard about the exodus that the nation of Israel did from Egypt. And they say, remember, don't be like the Egyptians. Don't let your heart get hardened. Let's do this. Let's get it out. And this is how we're going to do it. Remember, too, during this time that priests worked off fear, especially these priests. And so they devised a plan to make things harder than it really should be. They're going to test God. And so they coached them on how to return the ark with a test. They tell them you got to get two cows that have never been yoked. You build this cart and you put the trespassing beside in a box beside the ark that's on the cart and then you send it back and if it goes back then it was God that did it and if it doesn't go back then it was just a coincidence and they want it to be a coincidence so that they can say see God doesn't really exist we still have Dagon Dagon is greater than the Israelite God so let's see how this test turns out look back with me at verse 10 The men did so, and they took two milk cows, and they yoked them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they put the ark of the Lord on the cart, and the box with the golden mice and the images of their tumors. And the cows went straight in the direction of Beth Semes, along the highway, lowing the whole way. They turned neither to the right or to the left, and the Lord of the Philistines went after them and as far as the border of Beth Shemeth. We'll stop right there. So the plan here was really simple. They were to put the ark and the golden objects on the cart. They were to hitch the cart up to a pair of cows. These cows were ones that have never been yoked before, which means that they should fight against each other than rather walk smoothly together in the same direction. But not only that, these two cows just had given birth. The Philistines said, take the calves away and put them up. Put them in a pen, which means that the mothers, the cows, would be trying to get back to their calves, walking the other way. But not only that, but there is no one to lead or drive these cows towards Beth Shemeth. They just hitch them up and they let them go. Let's see what happens. In other words, they've stacked the deck against the cows, ever heading back to Israel with the ark. And they do this because they don't want to admit that God is greater. They have a fear that their God is not as big or not as great as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what happens? What do the cows do? Well, in verse 12, it tells us that God passed the test. The cows went straight up to Beth Shemeth. They didn't turn to the left. They didn't turn to the right, but they kept going. They were lowing the whole way. The Philistines were afraid of God's holiness and they pushed him away. Instead of submitting to God and worshiping him, they sent the ark back to Israel because they needed a God that they could control. They wanted to be in control. It was about power. So they pushed God away. They don't want to submit to the holiness of God. With Dagon, they don't have to worry about that. They can set the rules. They can intimidate with fear and have the people do whatever they want because they get to say what Dagon says. But here we see that God passes the test. God takes these two cows, lowing the whole way. That word lowing right there means they were were whining, they're fussing. They want to get back to their children. But either God or an angel or someone takes these two cows and he takes them straight up the road. 
This story reminds me of a New Testament story about Jesus and the pigs where Jesus cast out demons from that man that was in the graveyard into a herd of pigs and the whole herd of pigs stampeded over the cliff into the water. The Bible tells us that when the people saw what had happened, they were afraid and they pleaded with Jesus to go away. They were afraid of God and his holiness and they pushed him away. Today, are you afraid of God? If you don't know God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ, then you're still under God's judgment for sin. And yes, you should be afraid. There will be a day of reckoning. That may not be tomorrow, but there is a day coming where God's judgment will rain down on you if you have not accepted Jesus as Lord of your life, if you've not asked him to forgive you of your sins. But you don't have to be like the Philistines. You don't have to keep pushing God away. Today, just by saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Become Lord of my life. Lord, I believe on your finished work on the cross. The Bible tells us if we will confess with our mouth and we will believe in our heart that we will be saved. But now look what happens once the cows do get to Beth Shemeth. After God has overcome this, we see that God's people receive him with the holiness that he deserves. Look at verse 13 through 18 with me. Now the people of Beshemeth were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley when they lifted up their eyes and they saw the ark. They rejoiced to see it. See, they didn't expect it back. They thought it was gone for good. The cart came into the field of Joshua of Beshemeth and stopped there. A great stone was there and they split up the wood of the cart and they offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the box that was beside it, in which were the golden figures, and they set them upon a great stone. And the men of Beshemeth offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices on that day to the Lord. And when the five lords of the Philistines saw it, they returned that day to Ekron. These are the golden tumors that the Philistines returned as a guilt offering to the Lord, one of Ashton, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, and one for Ekron, and the golden mice according to the number of the cities of the Philistines belonging to the five lords, both fortified cities and unwailing villages. The great stone beside which they set down the ark of the Lord is a witness to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemeth. We'll stop right there. So we saw that the Philistines were afraid of God and they pushed his holiness away. But now we see people that receive the holiness of God. They receive it gladly. And this is illustrated right here in Beth Shemeth. How did the people of Beth Shemeth show reverence to God and his holiness? Well, first, they put God into their lives. It was the weed harvest, which was going on during that season. And they worked hard every day. And the weed harvest was what they would go and they would get the harvest. And then they would take part of that and they would give the first fruits. That's where we get that term. But when this cart comes in what do they immediately do they stop what they're doing and they take the the ark and they get the levites the only people that are supposed to touch this and they put it down and then they take the cart and they make a sacrifice they chop up the wood of the cart and then they sacrifice the cows they were handling the ark the way that it was supposed to be handled the levites were handling this they were also overcoming their sin their guilt offering with a sacrifice and not by some idol or some golden image god had a plan all along he had this ark wind up going back to beth why because that is where the levites lived and even in joshua we see that 
the inheritance that the Levites got was right there in Beth Shemeth. And the people did not presume to take the ark down themselves, but they let the Levites handle it according to God's law. Remember that when you touch the ark of the covenant, it would be immediate death. And we'll see that in 2 Samuel when he's moving the ark back into Jerusalem and it trips and they reach out and touch the ark and immediately Uriah dies because he touches the ark. Now, it didn't happen here because they had to put it on the cart and probably didn't happen. What most commentators say is because God was respecting that they didn't understand the law. We go, Tim, what does this have to do with having fear of the Lord? Well, the Bible tells us that we are to fear the Lord. That means we're to have reverence to the Lord. It doesn't mean that we should be afraid of God. We are able to draw near to God through reverence, through understanding that we who he is. But what we see right here is that the people accept the ark. They treat it with reverence. They have the fear of the Lord, but they know how to approach God. They know God. And we know the same thing. God tells us that first, if we want to be saved, that we have to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. And we're saved by faith. It's not through works. Also, when we understand who God is, when God comes close, just like the ark did here, what does it say? It says that they accepted it rejoicing. They were joyful that the ark had made it back to them. The presence of God had come back. It wasn't about some golden tumors. It wasn't about some guilt offering. It was about God coming back and them showing reverence to him. But then we see right here at the end, that there are a few folks that don't respect, they disrespect the holiness of God. And because of that, they know better, God shows that he will not be disrespected. Look with me at verses 19 through 21. And he struck some of the men of Beth because they looked upon the ark of the Lord. He struck 70 men of them and the people mourned because the Lord has struck the people with a great blow. Then the men of Bethshemesh said, Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? And to whom shall he go up away from us? So they sent the messengers to the inhabitants of Kerachirim, saying, The Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down here and take it with you. And we'll find out later that the ark goes to Kerachirim for 20 years before David takes the ark back to Jerusalem. And what we see out of this small section right here is there's a third group that we can learn from. And these folks didn't fear the Lord and they didn't show reverence. They dishonored God. They didn't respect his holiness. And what happens? They're struck down. When the ark first showed up, the people handled it right. They handled it properly. But there were 70 men that decided to check on the ark, to look at it, to see what was in it. They thought they could just open it up and make sure that the tablets were still in there. The ark was to be kept behind a curtain in the innermost room of the tabernacle. And when it was time to move the ark, the priests would first come and they would cover it up. And then the Levites would carry it to its new destination. So these men that looked into the ark was just a complete disrespect to God's holiness. And what happened? Well, the Bible tells us right here. If you've ever seen the movie Indiana Jones, you know that bad things happen when you look into the ark, just like they did in that movie. 70 men that looked into the ark, 70 men died. And that shows us that when we disrespect God's holiness, when we provoke God's anger, that we need to be careful. And how do we disrespect God's holiness today? 
Well, there's several ways. One way is that we show lack of respect to God's word. We proclaim to be a Christian. We proclaim that God is Lord of our life, yet we disrespect his word completely. We disobey what God's word says in our lives. We live openly in sin. Now, each of us that are saved, we do sin. I'll be the first to admit that I'm a sinner. And that's why I need God's mercies every morning. And the Bible tells us that, that we have new mercies every day. But I don't openly live in sin, and I hope you don't either. If you do, I pray right now that God would convict you of that and that you will get it right today. But the main way that we show disrespect for God's holiness today is that we reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. God sent his son as a perfect and holy sacrifice for our sins. What greater disrespect do we show to God's holiness than rejecting his son? Seventy men from Beth Shemeth looked into the ark and they died. The people rejoicing turned to mourning. They asked, who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? To whom will the ark go up from here? And then suddenly they found themselves in the same position as the Philistines were. They were afraid of God and his holiness, and they wanted to push God away. Originally, they were rejoicing. Now they want to push God away. They're afraid of God. I'm almost out of time, so let me close with this final thought. What is your attitude towards God today? If you're afraid of God, well, you will only push him away. That's not a good response. That's not what God wants. That's not what we should respond to. Now, if you have no fear of God, you will show disrespect to him and you'll provoke his anger. That's not a good response either. So the right answer is God wants us to come him with the attitude of reverence and with respect. He wants us to recognize that he is God. He wants us to submit ourselves to him, make him Lord of our life, acknowledge his holiness, come confessing our sin and trusting in Jesus Christ alone. We saw that those that were afraid of God's holiness pushed him away. Those that showed disrespect to God provoked his anger. But those who have reverence for God's holiness received him gladly. Be like David wrote in Psalms 95, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock of His care. So today, how do you receive God? Do you push Him away because you are afraid of His holiness? Do you disrespect Him because you don't understand who God really is? Or is He Lord of your life? You're happy to have a relationship with him and spend time with him. Today, he's knocking on your heart and he wants you to respond the third way. Will you do that? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for this time together. Lord, we thank you for this book of 1 Samuel. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's living and it's breathing and we can learn from it. And here we saw that originally the nation of Israel used you like a lucky charm. They took you out there and they said, well, God's on our side. Hey, who can beat God? But they never asked you if that's what, they, what you wanted. Too many times we do the same thing. And then we see that there was these pagan people that didn't understand who you were. And they thought you were just some other God like their God. And when you sent a clear and concise message of who you were, they didn't listen. They tried to make you bow down to their God. But you showed them, Lord, that you were bigger than Dagon. And so they pushed you away. They were scared of you. 
They even responded like we do by testing you at times. And they sent you away with the test that you pass with flying colors. Lord, today there are those that are just like the Philistines. They don't know you. They know about you, but they don't know you. Lord, I pray today that they would believe in their heart. They would confess with their mouth that you are Lord and they would be saved. Lord, there are some, though, that do know you, but they've never taken their relationship past the salvation stage. Lord, they got over the line. They asked you to be Lord of the life. They believed in what you did, but they've never really built that relationship. Lord, I ask today that they would turn to you, Lord, that they would want you to be part of their life, Lord, that they would worship you, they would bow down to you, and they would spend time with you. They would feed from your pasture. They would be a member of your flock that you take care of. Lord, right now, we just thank you for the many blessings you give this ministry. Lord, let this word fall deep in the hearts that hear it. It's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.